my name is Josh, um, and it's, uh, it's a privilege and an honor to be here with you guys this morning. Um, I've spent the last five years of my life in Central India with Central India Christian Mission. Uh, my wife and I got married five years ago. Lashi, she's here this morning. Honey, would you stand up, please, with Josiah? Our son Josiah is here, too. Um, let's give her a hand, okay? All right. Um, I always say I got a first-class girl from a third-world country. Um, she's, uh, she's an amazing woman. She leads our children's home in India. We have over 100 children there that have been orphaned by their families, and uh, she leads that ministry, so pray for her. Uh, 100 kids is a lot of children, but she's doing an outstanding job, and uh, very, very proud of her. And so thank you, honey, for your love. Um, Dr. Ajay Lal and his wife, Indu, they send their greetings to you. Um, they're my in-laws. I, I don't really even consider them in-laws anymore. They're my mom and dad in India, and, and uh, they, they're amazing people. I know they visited here before, so some of you have got to meet them, and they wanted to send their personal love and greetings to you guys. Uh, it's a pretty special year for us. We're celebrating 30 years in ministry in India. Uh, not me personally, obviously, um, but, uh, but our, our family and our mission was started 30 years ago. And in the last 30 years, God has used CICM to start and plant over 1,000 churches in India, Nepal, Bhutan, and Bangladesh. And on a given Sunday, there are over 250,000 people that meet in those churches. So literally in the last 30 years, God has used CICM to uh, impact well over a quarter of a million people with the gospel. And those are people who have accepted. They've, many more people have heard the gospel than that, but those are the people that have come and are, and are now attending uh, a CICM church in one of those countries. And so it's because of Sherwood Oaks and your support and generosity that any of that is even possible. And so I want to thank you guys and, and uh, Brad and Tom and, and your families and, and uh, all the teams you've brought over and all that. We, we absolutely love you, and uh, it is an honor to be here with you this morning. We want to invite all of you to come, uh, maybe not at the same time, um, but uh, we'd love for you to come and see us in India. You've got a place to stay, and we'd love to have you. Um, let's pray, and we'll jump into the message, okay? Father God, I want to thank you for your grace and mercy. I want to thank you for your love and for the opportunity to be here this morning. God, I pray that as we open your word that you would impact our hearts, that you would transform us to make us more like your son Jesus, and that uh, you would give us boldness and courage to share your love with those around us. I give you my mouth and my tongue and just pray that you would speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, at the beginning of this message, I want to start out by reading a passage of Scripture. You guys have been in a series called Summit, uh, talking about many different instances in Scripture where people had an encounter with God on a mountaintop. And one of the most important calls that God has ever given us came on a mountain in Matthew chapter 28. And so if you would, I want you to open your Bibles there with me. And I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit different. I'd like you to stand with me as I read this. Um, this is the great commission of Jesus. These were his last words to the church, his last words to the disciples, and so in honor of that, uh, we're going to stand together as we read his words. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain, where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. You can have a seat. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. All right, this guy's, you know, a missionary in India. He's going to talk all about the go part of this passage. He's going to call us to sell all of our stuff and move to some far off country, and I just really don't want to hear it. Uh, I understand, okay? Um, Luckily, okay, now I would love to preach on that this morning. That'd be awesome. But that's really not going to be the main idea. And honestly, I don't even think it was Jesus' main idea, and you may be surprised about that. If we look in the Greek text, it should actually be translated, this whole passage, it should be translated like this. As you are going, make disciples. Go wasn't even the command there. Make disciples is the command. Out of all of the scripture that we just read, make disciples is the only command that Jesus gives. And everything else is how we're supposed to be making disciples. And so literally, Jesus was telling his disciples, as you are going, As you are going throughout life, as you are going to work, as you're going to school, as you go to Starbucks, as you go to Walmart. Okay, he didn't say that, but you get what I'm saying. As you go, be making disciples. That's the big idea. And so those original 11 guys that heard that took it, they were obedient, and they made disciples who made disciples who made disciples times a thousand, and that's why you and I are here today. Because they took what Jesus said and obeyed it. And so the question really this morning that we need to talk about is are we truly being obedient to the very last call that Jesus gave the church? You know, it is incredibly tempting to do everything except this, right? I mean, Jesus never commanded us to build churches. He never commanded us to meet on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock or 9.30 or whatever service you choose to go to. He never commanded us to start Sunday school or small groups. He never commanded us to build buildings, never commanded us to purchase cars and homes, never commanded us to have children, even though in the beginning, I guess he did say that, be fruitful and multiply. Okay, you can have that one. He never commanded any of these things, but those are the things we focus on. Now, I know why the church has started these things, it's the original reason was to make disciples. That was the whole idea, that all of these things would lead to disciple-making, but disciple-making was always Jesus' main target and goal. Now, this call is not just for pastors, because I know that's what some of you are thinking. Now, that's why we pay Tom and Brad and guys like that, you know? My job is to come to church, sit here, participate on Sundays, give an offering, and then the pastors go and actually do the disciple-making, But this call is for you and I. This call is for everybody here. And so again, the question that we need to answer this morning is are we being obedient to that call? You know, I love David Livingston. uh, He was a, a missionary to Africa way back when. And one of his quotes, he says, how can it be that a commission given by an earthly king would be considered an honor but a commission given by the heavenly king is considered a sacrifice. Hmm. You see, this was the commission by our king. 
that you and I be disciple makers, that you and I give our lives to other people, that the love that we've been given, the grace that we've been given by God would transform us so that we could take it to other people and he could transform other people through that love and grace. That's our call, that's our job, and if we're focused on anything else other than that, then we're missing the point. Amen? You see, you and I, I know many of you know this passage that we read, right? I mean, most of us have memorized this. We can quote it. Most of you, when I said Matthew 28, you knew exactly where I was going to go. But the question again is, are we obeying? You know, Francis Chan is a pastor, or was a pastor in California. He's now leading a ministry in San Francisco. And he gives an illustration that I love about this. He, He talked about his daughter. His daughter at the time was in high school. And he said, what if this happened? I told my daughter, okay, honey, I want you to go clean your room. And she came back to me an hour later, and she said, "Uh, Dad, um, I memorized what you told me to do. Listen, go clean your room. (laughs) Look at that. Um, Honey, have you cleaned your room? Well, no, but I memorized it. Isn't that awesome? Uh, Honey, if you don't clean your room in about two minutes, we're going to have some big problems. Well, well, Dad, hold on. I was thinking that maybe I'd invite some of my girlfriends over and we'd do a little study of what it might look like if I clean my room. <laughs> Honey, you need to go clean your room now. <laughs> Why is it, this was his point, okay? Why is it that as parents, we expect our children to obey immediately, right? We don't want them to memorize what we said. We don't want them to study what we said. We want them to do it now. But we play a whole different game with Scripture, Right? We memorize it, we listen to sermons about it, we go to small groups and study it, we have little Bible studies, we have it in our personal devotion time, but we're not actually obeying what Jesus has called us to do. And so why would our children be in trouble but you and I are A-okay, right? And so today, I really wanna lay all my cards out on the table right at the beginning. Because this message is not gonna be teaching you how to make disciples, because that would take weeks. My idea this morning and the whole goal behind this is to try to inspire you to start the journey in your life to become a disciple maker. That's really what it's about. To actually begin to be obedient to this call that we read together this morning. To actually obey Jesus' words, not just memorize them, but to live them out. And so this whole message is going to be geared towards trying to encourage you by the grace of God to put a little boldness and courage inside of you so that as you go from this place, that you will begin a life of disciple making, that you will begin to invest your life into your friends and your family and your coworkers and the people that you go to school with and the people that you see every day so that they could become the disciples that Jesus has called them to be because that's your call and that's my call and that's the only call that Jesus has given you and I for the rest of the days that we're here. So now, all the cards are out, so we'll go together, okay? You know, what's, uh, what's pretty crazy about Christianity today in America is that we're known for what we do not do. You know what I mean? Like, Christians are known for what we don't do. We, we don't drink, we don't smoke, we don't, uh, if you're really conservative, you don't dance, don't move those hips, okay? Don't, don't do any of that, okay? Don't go to those, you know, don't go to those bad parties, don't go to rated R movies, maybe not even PG-13, okay? We, we don't do any of those things, right? Some of you are thinking, well, I do all those things. Um, <laughs> I love you, I love you. Um, but, Normally, for the last century, we have been known as Christians in America for what we do not do. That's what we've been known for. 
Wouldn't it be crazy if Sherwood Oaks became a church known for what we do for the community rather than for what we do not do? I mean, that'd just be crazy, right? (laughs) You'd think maybe Jesus, that's what he meant when he said these things. And so what if Sherwood Oaks became known for the love that we give? And just like the, the video you saw earlier with, with the people from Ecuador, right? I mean, that, the, Sherwood Oaks impacted that family, and now they're going back to Ecuador to impact other people. That's what disciple-making is all about, and that's what Jesus was meaning by this whole concept. And so let's become a church that's known for what we do for the kingdom, not for what we do not do. Because in the Gospels, Jesus had a lot more to say about what to do rather than what not to do. He told us to love our enemies and to pray for those who hurt us and, and to take care of the sick and the poor and, and to take, take care of the widows and, and the orphans and, and to love and to serve and, and to, to make ourselves lower than other people and to be humble. He said a lot more about what to do rather than what not to do. And I think we need to change our entire focus on what our calling is instead of all the rules that we've laid out. I think that if we focus more on our calling, the rules would take care of themselves. Amen? Now, again, I know what some of you are thinking. Now, hold on a minute, Josh. I know I need to make disciples. It's a command. Honestly, I don't even know what a disciple is, and I don't know how to make one. There's not like a recipe in the Bible anywhere. I, I, I don't know what to do. And again, I said, I'm, I'm not really going to teach you how to do that today. Um, my prayer is that this church would... Uh, would help you in that because I know that Brad and Tom have a, have a passion for this and the people here have a passion to really, I, I heard Tom in the first service said that uh, your theme for the year is each one reach one and, and I love that and, and I think that uh, when you really begin to give your life to this that God will use you to reach way more than one um, and that God will use you to transform an entire society with the gospel. But I'm hoping this morning that that all of your fears, all of your doubts would kind of be washed away. Because I know what some of your fears are, and I I know what some of your doubts are, because I had the same doubts and fears. And I know that some of you are thinking, you know, hold on a minute, like, I don't know the Bible that well, my life's kind of a mess, I'm not a Bible college graduate, I I don't know that I can do this stuff, I don't know the Bible well enough. And and my hope right now is that I'm gonna tell you a couple stories that I hope will wash those fears and doubts away. You know, Jesus was an incredible disciple maker, and, and one day he uh, got off of a boat, and he was going to uh, this area, um, and he could have gone anywhere, okay? He could have gone to, the, like, the top religious leaders. He could have gone to the big-time leaders, the big people that everybody knew. But as he got off the boat, he looks over in a graveyard and sees a crazy naked man, and he goes and talks to him. <laughs> Can you believe that? I mean, be honest. Would you do that? I don't think so. Right? I mean, you're walking down downtown Bloomington, there's a crazy naked college guy, you're not going to talk to him. (laughs) You're not going to. And it is Bloomington, you may have seen that before, I I don't know. (laughs) I use pretty crazy, right? So, so, I mean, this is what Jesus does. He steps off the boat, goes straight to that guy. And I'm sure all the disciples were like, Jesus, hold on a minute, let's go somewhere else, divert your eyes, you know, bounce your eyes, Let's, let's go somewhere else. But Jesus goes to him. Why? This guy was a mess. I mean, he was demon-possessed, crazy. His family had kicked him out. He was so bad that they had to put him in a graveyard and chain him up. That's how bad he was. Nobody loved him. Nobody wanted him. Nobody wanted anything to do with this guy. They just wanted to leave him out there with the dead. That's it. Just die already. Just get out of here. 
His only friends were dead people in the graveyard. That was it. And then Jesus sees him. But Jesus doesn't see all that junk. He looks past the sin. He looks past the problems. He looks past all the, all the mess that's in his life. And he sees a, a, a lonely child who desperately needs his love. Wouldn't a lot change if you and I began to see people the way Jesus sees people? Have you ever felt like that guy? You know, nobody wants you, nobody loves you, nobody wants to talk to you. Just rejected your family, maybe your family's clashing, maybe friends are clashing, maybe your boyfriend or girlfriend, wife, husband, whatever, clashing. I mean, you just feel rejected, you feel left out. That's exactly the way this guy was feeling, only on a whole nother level. But then Jesus comes. And Jesus loves him and he transforms him, okay? He heals him, casts out the demons. He, he heals his mind. He heals his body. He, he gives him a new start. He, he, he completely transforms him and forgives his sin. And so then this guy's sitting at his feet, fully clothed, listening to Jesus. You see, because that's what Jesus does. He transforms us. You see, this guy's story is, is our story, I mean, we are chained up by all the junk and all the debt and all the sin and all the problems of this world, all the stuff that's in our lives, and we're chained up by all this stuff, and then Jesus comes along, forgives all of it, releases your chains, and you're free in Christ. This is our story. It's not just his story. And what is his response? Well, he wants to follow Jesus. I mean, nobody loved him, nobody wanted him, nobody wanted anything to do with this guy but he wanted to go with Jesus. And so Jesus is getting back on the boat. He turns around to this guy, and the guy says, Jesus, I want to go with you. And Jesus says, no. What? <laughs> Wasn't expecting that, right? I mean, could you imagine if Tom did that? Tom, I want to come to your church. No, I, I don't really like you, really. <laughs> right? I mean, what, Jesus is the guy who says, you know, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. He's that guy. And then he says no to this guy. I don't get it. Well, he has a point and he has a purpose. He looks at the guy and he says, hold on, no, I, I don't want you to come with me. I want you to go back to your friends and your family and I want you to tell them what God has done for you today. What did the guy say? No, I'm not gonna do that. No, he, he, I mean, that's the only response that he could possibly have is yes. Whatever you tell me to do, wherever you call me to go, whatever you tell me to say, I'll do it. I was a mess, Jesus, without you. Nobody wanted me. Nobody loved me. I was destined for hell, and then you came along and transformed me, and I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I am yours. Shouldn't that be our response? And most of us don't respond that way at all. We say, no, Jesus, I'll come to church on Sunday, but that's it, leave me alone. I want your grace, I want your mercy, I want your forgiveness, but don't give me any, you know, don't, don't have me pick up a cross, by, for goodness sake, no cross. Leave the cross out, no sacrifice, just give me your grace and mercy, and don't demand anything else from me. It's like we take Jesus hostage with the gun to his head and say, I want your grace and mercy, but don't make me do anything else. This is the king of kings we're talking about, the Lord of lords, your creator, and he has transformed you, and now he calls you to a mission, and it's time for us to pick up the mantle. And that's what the demon-possessed guy did. Well, he's no longer demon-possessed, so he can be known as the man, formerly known as the demon-possessed man. And so he did, he obeyed. He went back to his friends and his family, and this is what the scripture says. 
is that he reached an area called the Decapolis, which was a region of 10 cities. Can you believe that? This guy knew nothing, okay? He was uneducated. He didn't have a New Testament, all right? It wasn't written yet, all right? He didn't have a Bible. I mean, the Old Testament was wrapped up in scrolls. It's not like he kept it in his back pocket or anything. He had nothing, okay? All he knew was this. Listen, yesterday, you remember I was the crazy naked guy? Yeah, you guys remember? Well, Jesus transformed me and he's awesome. That's all he knew. And so you and I have no excuse. <laughs> we don't. I mean, if God can use that guy, he can use you right? That's the whole point of this story. That's why I told it. Because if God can use the crazy naked guy, he can use you. Amen? You're a step ahead of him, okay? You are. I mean, all of you are clothed, right? (laughs) Thank you, by the way, for coming here that way. I appreciate it. None of you are on the ground rolling around frothing at the mouth. That's a good sign, okay? Right? None of of your families have put you in a graveyard and chained you up. If they have, I apologize. (laughs) but I'm just going out on a limb and saying that's never happened to you, okay? I mean, you're a step ahead of him, and so if God can use him, he can use you. And so we need to get all of the excuses and and all of the fears and doubts out of our minds and hearts and just say, Jesus, you have transformed me, you loved me, and now send me out, and I want to reach my friends and my family. That's the clear-cut call of the gospel. Amen? I mean, I want you to hear about this little boy named Adi, He's one of our boys at the children's home. He came, how old was he, honey, four? He was four years old when he came to our home. This kid and his younger brother watched as their father burned their mother alive. Can you imagine what that would do to a four-year-old kid? And then his father got put in prison, and so the other family members brought these two kids to us at the children's home and left them. And so not only have they, been, have they seen the most atrocious crime in front of their eyes and their mother die, but then they're abandoned by the rest of their family at four years old. I mean, think about how that would mess you up inside. Adi's now 10, and a year ago, him and, and about 13 other boys came to me and they said, Josh, we want you to teach us how to preach. And about eight months ago, Adi gave his first sermon at 10 years old. You see, when God gets a hold of you, there is nothing that he can't do. And if a little boy named Adi at 10 years old can get the idea that, okay, Jesus has taken me, he's transformed me, he saved me from all that mess, and now I want to tell other people about him. If Adi can get that idea and the crazy naked guy can get that idea, surely you and I can get that idea. Right? You with me? And so it's time for you and I to begin to focus our lives on what truly matters. It's time for you and I to forget about all this earthly junk and and all the mess and all the problems and focus our eyes on Jesus and focus our eyes on what eternally matters. Your life is like a match. Adi's life is like a match. The the demon-possessed guy's life was like a match. You know, when you light a match, it's out pretty quick, right? I mean, this may last for 30 seconds unless I wave it around and and then it's gone. That's exactly what scripture says our life is like, right? I mean, it's here today, gone tomorrow. It's like a vapor. It's like grass that grows in the morning and dies in the evening. That's that's what scripture says. It says our life is like dust. That's what this match is like. It's nothing. But you know, if I light this match right now and throw it on the ground, this whole church could go up in flames. 
One little match has incredible power. It really does. Your life is like that. It can be used for incredible good or incredible bad, depending on how you use it. But one match can light an entire city ablaze. One little match, one little person God can use when you rub up against him. When you rub your life against Jesus, he will light you up and use you to light other people on fire for him. That's what disciple making is all about.